This podcast is a Bendy Geddig Media production. Hello, I'm Michael Sheen, and you are listening to a Touchline Rant podcast. Euros with Luke and Mitch. Dun, 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 dun. It's time to get your daily fix. Dun, 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 dun. So go on, gab yourself a coffee dun, dun, dun. or maybe you prefer a cup of tea euros with luke and mitch dun, 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 dun. and don't you know they don't cost a thing dun, dun, dun. so go on give us a stream it's the daily euro 21 Hello everyone, I'm Mitchell Gad. It is Thursday the 8th of June and welcome along to your daily Euro 2020 update. And then there were two. We are down to it, down to the last two, down to the final. Italy will now play England. It was confirmed after last night's semi-final, another cracking semi-final, wasn't it? A ding-dong battle that almost went all the way to the wire, but again... Like many games in this knockout stage, we needed extra time. So we're not going to talk about the final today. That will be tomorrow where Luke and I will be together on the show, not in the same place. We'll be over Zoom or insert other video conferencing technology where we will be previewing that final. But today's show, I'm going to run through how England booked their place in that final, their first major tournament final since 1966, when they were again playing with home advantage against Germany and they were victorious that day. Will they do it again? Like I said, we will talk all things final tomorrow. But today, what a game to look back on again. The Danes pushed England all the way, didn't they? The plucky underdogs, as they have done against the odds, it seems throughout all of this tournament, they have continued to... Uh, rise to the occasion, and they did again. Um, what a goal from Damsgaard. If England's first goal they conceded in this championship, it was a new record for England goalkeeper Jordan Pickford, surpassing Gordon Brank's record uh, of over, I think it was over 700 minutes of competitive football uh, without conceding a goal. Um, I think he passed that record by about five minutes, roughly, before that Damsgaard goal went in on the half an hour. What a strike. What a bloody strike. If it takes a goal like that to, to, to get past this England defence, then England are in, are in a good place, if that's the sort of goal it takes. There were some question marks about Pickford, who's been brilliant this tournament with his shot stopping, uh, as to, you know, the goal wasn't... It wasn't hit directly in the corner, but I think the, the dip he got on it, the power... I don't think there's any blame on the goalkeeper there. I think it was a fantastic strike. I think he's just turned 21 down. God, what a future he's got. He's just looked so lively. Uh, I was actually surprised when, they, um, when, they, when he was taken off, actually, uh, fairly early in the second half. But he, um, yeah, he, what, a, what a strike and what a player he might turn out to be. But the technique on it, like I said, the... The, the pace, the power and the dip all beat Pickford. And I think, um, yeah, I think it was, a, it was a goal worthy of the occasion on a big stage. But in fairness, the, you know, the Danes, England started brighter uh, for the first 15. But then sort of 10, 15 minutes before that Danish goal, the Danes got back into it. Heuberg was starting to get 
control of that midfield. Uh, and they were looking dangerous. Um, they were getting bodies forward. And, and I thought the warning signs were there that the Danes were getting into the game before that goal. And um, I think uh, it was a free kick. I, think, I know England complained a little bit about whether it was a foul by Shaw or not. I thought it was that he was pulling, I think... Um, they did make a meal of it by going to the ground. I can't remember which Danish player it was, but it was a free kick. And yeah, and then that goal then, it was all about how England would respond. How would they respond to the first time in this competition where they'd, been, they'd gone behind and it was another semi-final after two years ago then. How would they respond then to going behind? They didn't really respond in 2018 with Croatia when they went in front. Um, that was a lot later, obviously, in the game. It was in the extra time. But how would this group of players respond to going behind in a major semi-final? Uh, would it be, again, falling just short? Um, they didn't. They, they responded really well. They, they passed that test. And um, it was actually... I think there was about 40 seconds between Sterling's brilliant chance, which, yeah, it was... I guess everyone was saying it was good to say by Schwanko. For me... Yes, because he stood, he stood big, he stood firm, but in a way, it's hit him. Uh, and he's had to be in that position for it to hit him, of course. But Sterling puts it anywhere else on the, in the goal, and it's a goal. Schmeichel doesn't have a chance, but he's hit it straight at him. For me, he should be scoring there. But in fairness to Sterling, he didn't stand still like he has all tournament. His movement has been so, so good. Uh, what a ball from Harry Kane, though. Uh, you know, much has been said about what he's done with his game over the last few years in terms of dropping deep. And it can be frustrating when he does that, occasionally dropping deep. But there are other games where he drops deep and he seems to be finding that pass. And obviously, you can't argue with the fact that he got golden boot in the Premier League and he got top for assists as well. Got the, the Assist King Award as well as... Uh, 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 as as we used to call it in CSK, my old team, we used to play the Sith King Award. Um, yeah, he was top for assists as well. And that deli- that ball to Saka, and Saka's run's brilliant. He does everything right, cuts it across. And like I said, Sterling, staying lively, you know, keeping moving. And um, the Danes were caught with the ball in behind from Kane to Saka. Uh, very unlucky from Kerr. Um... Not much he could do. It was a bit unfortunate because he, he kind of gets in the position to... He's slid and he kind of gets in the position to hook it away. He gets sort of behind the ball. But because of his momentum and the way he's sliding, it goes in and um, it's an own goal from Kerr. Um, and it was 1-1, but not long after going behind. So England responded really well. The noise levels were ratcheted. I think for the Dan- from a Danish point of view, if they could have held that lead for a bit longer, if they could have gone in at half-time, the nerves from the fans, perhaps of England, could have gotten back of them. They could have got frustrated, but they didn't have that lead for long enough to create that atmosphere. Uh, and, it, you know, it suddenly went from nil-nil, where the Danes were starting to get a foothold in the game and quiet the fans just before they scored anyway, to 10 minutes later, back on even terms again, and the momentum and the noise and everything all going England's way. Um, and, and so they went in half-time with their tails up. Um, and then second half, I thought um, it was a little bit cagey for a while. 
But England finished so much stronger. And we said much about uh, we've said much about how England have got options from the bench. They've got so many options. Jack Grealish obviously being the the one which has been talked about the most as to whether he start should start or not. But you think about the options that they've got from the bench. Um, and yeah, Grealish was the man who came on. Only one substitute in the 90 for Gareth Southgate. But the last sort of 15, 20 minutes, England really got hold of that game by the scruff of the neck. And the Danes were desperately hanging on. Uh, they were desperately hanging on. Kane and Sterling were doing everything they could to get England over the line in the 90. And what two, two incredible performances from both of those players, Kane and Sterling. You want your big players to step up. Um, they were outstanding. I thought that those two and Kyle Walker, I thought those three sure had another fantastic game. But I think Walker and then particularly Sterling and Kane for me were just absolutely outstanding. They were absolutely outstanding. Kane's performance, and a lot of people have talked about whether he is the captain's, whether he's captain material, whether he, what sort of captain he is and whether he's the right captain for England. There are different types of captains. There is one that sort of shouts and screams and he's obviously got to be a good player, but there's one that's kind of shouting, screaming, cajoling, digging players out, if you will. And there's another captain, which I think is, is definitely more Kane, which is the lead by example, you know, um, I will stand up and be counted, will you be too? Uh, and, and he led by example in that sense. You know, he, it was a captain's performance from him. Um, and he, you know, his work rate, his fitness, which again is one of those things that have been talked about, particularly after the Scotland game, we question how fit he is. You know, he looked, he ran himself ragged. He ran himself ragged. Um, so those two driving it, Grealish was getting into positions on the left. You know, Shaw was getting forward and joining the attack, like we saw against Germany late in the game, to try and win it for England. Didn't happen. And I think it was interesting that Southgate didn't make many subs in the 90. just made the one in the 90. In fact, he actually took off Jack Grealish in extra time after England went in front, um, subbing the substitute, which was a brave move. But, hey, look, he's in the final. They conceded one goal... Uh, he's made changes along the way. You can't argue with it. A final's a final. So Southgate, for me, has copped a lot, you know, of, you know, criticism here and there for his, or, or questions for his selection before games. Um, more often than not, at the end of the game, um, people have been either eating humble pie or admitting that, you know, that he got it right. And again, a big call. But he made those substitutions, bringing Chipper on, bringing Foden on. You know, those changes that he made uh, in, in extra time really underline the fact that England have got a squad here that can cause some serious damage in, you know, on, on, on the international scene. Um, the, the strength and depth they've got, the energy, the legs that they've got that they can bring on if things aren't going their way. And so that was when... Southgate decided to sort of introduce more of those players uh, to make those, those little, little, little changes. But for me, yeah, extra time, it was coming for me. I, I thought the goal was coming. Uh, the penalty, I personally think it, it was a penalty. I think there is enough contact there. 
Um, yeah, there's a lot of debate online about it. People have, you know, it, it seems to be split down the middle from what I've seen as to whether it's a penalty or not. I think it was a penalty personally. Um, it all came from the energy of Sterling never giving it up. Uh, it was a bit of a lazy leg hung out. Um, yeah, I think it was a penalty. Um, but yeah, for me, for me it was. But Sterling didn't stop running. You know, it was coming. You can't deny that England deserved to win that game, I think. It was harsh on the Danes who gave their all and have given so much to the tournament and have not just performances and goals and points and excitement on the field, but what they've done in terms of the way they've conducted themselves, the way they've, you know, the, the way that they've, they've met adversity face on in terms of showing that football can unite and what's beautiful and what can bring people together about football, the beautiful side of the game. Uh, in the face of that incident in the first first match with Christian Eriksen. They've delivered so much, and so credit to them. They were marvellous, and um, always admire teams that maximise their ability. And they have got quality, but the way, again, I think that um, they are more than the sum of their parts as a unit, I think credit to them. Because despite the fact of all the adversity they face and the emotional stress of the Ericsson incident. Not much has actually been said about the fact that they've also lost their best player as well. They've also lost their best player on the pitch. So it's not just the, the emotional toll it's taken. It's actually taken one of their key weapons out of their side as well. So, you know, that has been adversity from, from game one for them. And they were magnificent, but I just felt that they got um, overpowered by England in, in the end. And I thought the goal was coming. Schmeichel had an amazing game and he's turned into a brilliant player and a brilliant leader. Uh, very unlucky. Uh, he almost got ahead of the ball when he's making the save. He almost dived too far and then the ball has kind of come back off his wrist into play rather than out of play, which, um, you know, he'll be disappointed because he's that level of goalkeeper, but obviously really unlucky. Um, but Kane... Yeah, doesn't miss many penalties, but he won't care about missing this one because he was there for the rebound. And uh, he's got his eyes on that golden boot, isn't he? Which I predicted he would get at the start of this tournament. So he might actually come good uh, and do it after that slow start. Um, But yeah, England after that never looked in doubt, actually, because they just had the energy of their legs. And that's Sterling again. (laughs) Where he's getting the energy from at the end nearly gets a third Another good save by Schmeichel. But his energy levels, and they did well. Walker, carrying the ball, keeping the ball. And their game management after they went 2-1 up, running down the clock, was superb. Uh, Southgate's management and the way he handled it, as I said, with the subs, superb. So England, uh, worthy winners for me. Like I said, Denmark go with um, pride very much intact and uh, reputation very much enhanced. Um, but yeah, we will do it all again uh, Sunday with the final where the Azuri take on the three Lions. Italy against England. For me, the two best teams in the tournament going at it in the final, which is what you want to see, really. Uh, and um, hopefully it's a good game. Hopefully it delivers 
the same quality of football that we've seen in these two semi-finals because it has been brilliant the last two nights. It's been brilliant football. It's been brilliant drama. It's been brilliant emotion. It's been brilliant theatre. And it's been a fabulous tournament. So it deserves that final to top it all off. It's been great on the field. It's been brilliant. Like I said, much can be talked about the format of the competition, the format of not just the, the, the where it's held and the fact that it's been moved around, but the actual format and the, the, the fact that we have third best place teams going through and, and, and so on. Uh, say what you want about it. The football on the field has been fantastic. Hopefully we get the final to crown it all off. But Luke and I will be here uh, tomorrow to talk about it, um, to preview, uh, preview the final. Uh, I say tomorrow. I say we'll be here on, on Saturday. Saturday we'll be back. It's Thursday today. God, um, days roll into one. We'll be back on Saturday to preview uh, the European Championship final. Um, and then all I've got to say is ciao for now. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is the Blender Coach, and you're listening to a Touchline Rants latest podcast, Back of the Net. you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts, y'all. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.